Okay, so Ryan Tov, we continue in the Sefer Das Hasfiros. And we were smack in the middle of a concept when the clock ran out of us on Friday. And we're on page 308 for those who may have the book. We're talking about the, the four worlds of uh, Atsilus, Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya, the four planes of existence. And we're talking about how before the sin of man, those four layers were connected. Just like if you're wearing clothes, a person is connected with the clothes. And there's no question that the clothes are on the person. So the highest level of realm of existence is the realm where there's only Hashem, so to speak. And those other worlds are just layers of garments, so to speak, that clothe and conceal HaKadosh Baruch. It's just like when we're wearing clothes, if you'd have a mask on and you had long sleeve shirt uh, and you had gloves, nobody would see an inch of your body. But we'd still know it's you. Okay, but you'd be concealed. But your clothes are connected to you. So even if you are, let's say, invisible, but the clothes that are connected to you give you away, even though you are concealed. So before man's sin, the realms of existence, although they were concealing God, they were connected, and you could tell there's a God. But with the sin of Adam, and because, and we'll explain why, he wanted to separate that, so then those worlds became disconnected, and then it's like you're seeing clothes flying around without any body inside of them. So you know they're clothes, but you don't know who, who wears them. And therefore, before Adam sinned, the lowest world, which is planet Earth, was a garment of God, and you could tell that it was concealing God because the skin of man was translucent. So you could really see that there's divine energy in this person. Ah, but after the sin of man, he got regular skin. And now everything became concealed, not just concealed, but separated. And our avoda is to reconnect all those realms of existence. What was your question? So, I may be wrong. I think we learned in Bariam uh, Darkeka where we said that, no, not maybe others, we said that, that uh, the king was wearing clothes lot of clothes yeah. but when you're hugging the king you're not hugging him you're hugging his clothes so right but it's it's exactly the same idea so you're not hugging him but you're hugging God because you can never hug Hashem we can never be in contact physical contact with the infinite God so what do we come in contact with his clothes the manifestation that comes right. out of God is what so that's exactly the same idea so our job is to, uh, on the one hand, deal with a world that seems to be separated and disconnected from other worlds and behave in a way as if it is connected and to bring connection to those worlds. And we said those worlds are paralleling our levels of soul and all those other things, so that's to make that connection. And now, so that's where we kind of got cut off and we had to stop for chakras. So let me just add another point, then we'll go on to some other ideas that are not connected. So in a deeper way he explains when a person when, whenever any of us sin 
we really go back to the sin of first man. Because the sin of first man in the deepest understanding is that he thought he had a different path than the will of Hashem. And he thought his path was a proper path that would bring a perfection to creation. He wasn't rebelling against Hashem. He wanted what Hashem wanted, but he thought he had a better idea than what Hashem could do. And that all, and the root of that was that because he had a free will choice, he figured he can establish perfection the way he sees it. That's a major mistake because that's what brings a disconnect between the realms. And therefore, anytime we do a sin, what are we really doing? I don't think any of us honestly really want to rebel against Hashem, but the root of the sin is that we're sure that um, even though what we're doing may not be what Hashem's will is, but it'll bring us to a good resolution anyway. It'll bring things to be very good. And why that happens is because when we look at this world as a distinct, separate world, and we don't really tell, can't tell the revelation of God's conduct in the world, therefore you can make mistakes. If the worlds were completely connected, you'd see right away the mistake of what you're doing. You know, like, let's give a, a bad mushal. Person has a can of beer, and he throws it in the lake. Okay. So do you think the guy really wants to destroy the climate? No. Do he wants to destroy the lake? No. But it's convenient to toss it in there. If he'd know what comes out of that, if, you know, everybody throws a can in the lake, it's going to destroy the lake. So when we do an Avera, we just don't see how the Avera in this world is connected to all the other worlds and makes that kind of destruction. We say, well, right now, this is a good thing for me. And I don't, I don't, I can't imagine what could be so bad. What could be so bad if I just say a little bit of Lushnov? After all, I, I'm much more relaxed after I speak Lushnov. So what could be so bad? I didn't do anything to him. I didn't even impunch his name. I just said in the privacy of my own home. So that, that's, that's where we, we maintain that disconnect because we want to have things come up in, in a good way for ourselves. But that's the big mistake because Hashem is just concealed and he's everywhere we're at. And, when we, and really, we can't really do anything against God's will because at the end of the day, you know, it's just going to come back to bite us. So if you really lived with Hashem and realized there's no, no separations, that's how we make our effort to connect the world. So every time you're tempted to sin and you avoid that and you overcome that, that's a step closer to bringing the worlds closer together. And the reason we want the worlds closer together because then it becomes clear that Hashem is the unifying factor between all the worlds. So that's, that's the idea that comes out of the worlds. Now, one other point. The Arizal mentions that he says the, the Torah that we have and the energy that comes from the Torah, which world does it come from? Well, on the one end, we really should know it's from the world of Atsilus. Atsilus is the highest world. There's nothing but Hashem. And, and, and the Torah is God's wisdom. So that really is the highest realm. And it's really in the world of Atsilas. But the world of Atsilas is so subtle 
it's 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 the before creation state. So that that Torah that's coming to us is not coming from that realm. So it's coming from the realm of Bria, the world below that, because the world of Bria is already the beginning of some type of creation. And that's what it was. Hashem looked in the Torah and created the world. So the world of Berea, where it's the beginning of God concealing himself and beginning the creative process, was the Torah that was before the world comes into place. And we said that Berea is the world of thought. So that's that kind of thought. And that's the source of that revelation of Torah. And... But, so, but, and where is it supposed to be expressed and learned? Well, learned in our minds, felt in our hearts, and expressed with our actions. So the Torah, the world of Bria, parallels the neshama, and that's the world of thought. And then we talk about it, that's the world of <clears throat> Yitzira, Ruach, spirit, and then we act on it as well, and that's in the world down here. So really, that Rizal says, it's really all the parts of the Torah. If you think about it, the written Torah, written Torah tells you what to do. So that parallels the world of action down here. Okay? Now, the Mishnah, that's the oral law, that gives you a much greater sense and feeling about it, that's really rooted in the world of Yitzira. Gemara, where you have to think even deeper, that's in the world of Bria. And Kabbalah is in the world of Atsilas, where you're getting to the deepest mysteries of what's going on. And when you, when you go through the Torah readings, we're reading stories now. So the simple story is the world of Asiya. You see what happened. What happened in the story? This week's partial, we have to go and we have to attack Midian. Okay, but then we have to go to the the first level after that, which is some kind of remes hint, so that's already getting a little more of a feeling of it. They have to go to a higher realm of existence. Then we go to the drush. You have to go to a higher level until you come to the soul, the secrets. That's you'd never know this without great training and insight. So that's how when you we learn Torah this way, we're combining the worlds in the same way to make one unit. That's why Bible criticism is so popular and so wrong because it's taking the outermost garment and trying to understand the whole story without realizing how it's connected to the God who's wearing it. So when you look at thing on the outside, you know, if I would evaluate you just by the clothing you're wearing outside, I would not be doing a, 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 a fair job on you if everyone would think, you know, I'm a hacker. You know, or we, right, right, right. So we think some of us are just, uh, just people just lie around on the beach all day long. Well, that's, that's what I see. That's what I see. But you don't know there's somebody behind there and somebody has years and years of work and effort and, and deserves to take a rest and whatever. So when you're a Bible critic, a secular Bible critic, you just look at the words. That's, that's all you're dealing with. And you're going to come with the corruption. And that's the worst separation of the worlds, so to speak. Okay. Uh, okay, I'm going to skip the next part because it's... Because I'm just going to. Because I, even though I'll tell it to you, you're not going to appreciate it. But the next part has, has very important implications. I don't know why the author put it in 
here. Could have put it anywhere, but it's it's a worthwhile concept, notwithstanding um, where it's being placed. And the author introduces us, I guess, because we're talking about the worlds and you know, trying to move up the ladder of the worlds. There's a concept that is called rotso vashov, which means running towards and then moving back, which will explain what that means. It, it, it's in one of the great mystical prophecies where it talks about the highest angels. It says the chayos, the wild animals, that's one name for the very high angels. Rotso vashov kamara habosok. They run back and forth like a shot of lightning. And what does that mean? It's like when you have a fire in a kiln and fire escapes out, you know, a flame poof, pops out and back in, right? And, or like something you, you like pinking through um, the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? The earthenware that you're trying to shape in the kiln or whatever. So that idea, the fire jumps out and comes back. Or we could understand that even on a simpler level, um, uh, a candle where the wick pops up and comes back. That's the idea of Ratsovashov. And that's the discussion of the angels where they're trying to get close to Kaddish Baruch Hu, like the fire is coming and then whoop, it goes back. And then the they get kind of scared so they come back. Okay, that's Ratso running, Vashov and returning. Now, this is all a parable for the relationship between the Jewish people and Hashem. On the one hand, each Jew wants to cling to Hashem in the greatest way and nullify themselves into God's existence. Really, the wick, the flame, wants to go right off of the wick and go to Hashem. Well, but it's afraid to do that because then it won't exist anymore. You see, the flame go off a wick and stay off a wick? If it does, that's called blown out. So then it comes right back, right? So there's the Ratzo, there's the Shav. And sometimes Jews feel really close to Hashem. And you really, you mamish feel like you're gonna expire. And then you don't feel close to Hashem at all. You don't feel spiritual at all. It could be, you know, Shal Shudas, it's mamish Ratzo, it's like mamish, this is unbelievable. And then after Havdal, the show, let's watch Netflix. <laughs> what happened? You were, you were just, you were just up in Shemayim an hour ago. You were mom's, your eyes were closed. It's like, you're just thinking about, I love Hashem. I'm so close to Hashem. And this and that. all of a sudden, boom, you're as far away as possible. What's going on? But, that, but that's a reality that happens that needs to be explained. And the truth is, this is the will of Hashem. That a person's service to Hashem always has to be this Ratso Vashov. It's not possible for a person to be on a high level of Dvekas Hashem on a permanent level because man has to go down and engage in this world to do the work of Hashem. So Hashem wants us to connect to Hashem completely at certain times and then to disconnect from Hashem and be engaged in the physical world as well. Now all this lofty kind of things is all hinted to in the Rambam that we mistakenly look as the rationalist. But he cloaks his words. The 
The Rambam in the in the laws of fundamentals of the Torah, he says, what's the way to come to love and fear God? He says, when a person reflects on the creation, the wondrous creatures that Hashem created, he sees the wisdom beyond measure. Immediately he comes to a love of Hashem and he praises Hashem. He has a great lust to, to know Hashem more and more. Like David said, my soul pines for God. And when he thinks about this for a while, all of a sudden, he recoils and he's afraid because he knows he's just a little gornish compared to the greatness of Hashem. So what's the Rambam really describing? He's describing Ratzol Vashov. You really want to get closer to this? Who am I to get that close to Hashem? And then you recoil back. So th this is exactly what a human being is all about. And there's, yes, question? So that is why the uh, higher angels say Baruch Kibur wants to level of fire? The higher angels say what? Baruch Kibur wants to level of fire. Because we don't know where Hashem is. Attracting that type? Could be, could be. It, it could be. It could, it's possible, yeah. So now why does Hashem have this kind of conduct? So there's two reasons. Because number one, it's impossible for a human being who's a finite being to completely connect to the infinite. So you can't be on that kind of level for very long. And number two, this recoiling is because, you know, no, and part of one, is, and because Hashem is just so great. That's the first reason. The second reason is because our service in this world is not to spend our whole life as angels, not engaged in the world. Our service is to be in the physical world and elevate this. And this was the sin of Nodav and Avihu, who wanted just be in the holiest of holies and expire and leave this world. That's not what Hashem wants. It's an amazing thing. You could be there for a little while and get a good taste of it, but then you got to come back to planet Earth to be engaged in this world. And, and really, you know, there, and that reflects the two different relationships that we have to Hashem. And what do we call Hashem? Avinu Malkeinu, our father, our king. That's what we call God. So what does that make us? Children. What does that, well, two things. It has to make us two things. If he is our father and our king, then we are what? Children and subjects. Children and servants. Exactly. So when you're a child, how do you express your feelings to a chef, to a father? With a hug and a kiss and closeness. Servants, on the other hand, they do the work that has to be done. It's not always pleasant work. It's very lowly work. So that's part of our service to Hashem. Avinu, we want to give you a big hug. We're running to you. On the other hand, we have to go away. We have work to do that has to be done. And, it, and you're not necessarily hugging Hashem at that time. Yeah? You had a comment? No? Yeah? Okay. So, and now you take it a step further that this idea really is not just the angels to Hashem and not just us to Hashem, but it's each of us to other people in our lives. Okay? Um, that, uh, or, uh, it, it, first of all, to, to our lives in general, that when we have concepts of, 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 of achievement and cleaving to Hashem, don't, don't even expect it to stay. It's, it's part of the circle of life. They have this great experience. You're going to go down. Don't even let it disappoint you. Don't let it make you sad. This is all part of the normal way things go.
okay? And our job is always to go forward. Our mission is to take two steps forward, one step back. Two steps forward, one step back. And always, and then every time we're going forward, we're going forward from a higher place. And every time we're going back, we're receding to not such a low place. That's the way it should be, although sometimes it might be one step forward and ten steps back. Depending on the person, depending on the situations. But a lot of times people, and you have to realize this is an important point, because otherwise people get very depressed. They're saying, I must not be a very good servant of God. But no, this is the way Hashem set up the system. And which, which book of the Tanakh reflects this idea more than anything else? The book of Shira Shirim, Song of Songs. Book of Song of Songs, the book of two lovers. And what is two, two ideas expressed throughout the Sefer? One is the fiery love that exists. And what's the other part? Always just missing. Looking for my love. My love is knocking at the door, but I'm not dressed. Oh, it's hard to get out of bed. And then I finally come to the door and my love has left. It's always fiery love, but then, boom, just missed. Or even there a little bit, but then we have to separate. That's the whole story. We're together in the field. Oh, there's people come. We have to leave. This whole idea is it's a tremendous love and there's going to be opportunities you get it. But don't count on it being a permanent reality. It's not meant to be a permanent reality for many reasons. But if you think everything's good where you are now, how's it going to get better? So therefore you have to fall back and continue to desire. And when you come the next time, you can even come stronger. And now comes the idea that this same idea applies in interpersonal relationships. Okay, because we know all, everything that goes down in this world is reflecting the higher world. So marriage, good friendships, are all meant to reflect the relationship between the Jewish people and Hashem. So what do we know? One thing that's concealed from everybody, just like you have Hashem, and a lot of Hashem is concealed from us. Let's say you're somebody you know very well. You've been married to somebody for 50 years. Still, the Talmud says, no one knows exactly what's in the heart of his friend. Even if they're very close, you can't say that they 100% know every single thing about the other person. There's always something that's not 100%. And this is a cause of a lot of miscommunication, misunderstandings, and all these other things. And that's why in relationships you can have these times where you feel so close and then all of a sudden somebody, what, the, the, one of the two says a comment, misunderstood, and all of a sudden there's a recoil. Now, that's, what does that mean? That means that's Hashem's way of saying you've got still much more to go. You can say, I don't know, I'm married, I'm married 50 years and we still don't understand each other. Well, the point is, you're focusing, don't realize how much you do understand each other. Go back to when you were first married, you didn't understand your spouse at all. So slowly you're learning, you learned about the spouse, you know more and more. 
But it's not possible to know everything that's in that person's mind. Every mystery, every scary skeleton, every uh, proud, pr proudful success, the total length, uh, the depth of that is, can never be perfect. And therefore, we have to always know that don't be upset. It's marriage is the same thing. Our relationship with Hashem will never be every minute of the day perfect, close, lovey-dovey. That's not the way it works. It's not meant to work that way. It's not good for it, for you to work that way. You gotta feel, oh, I feel not so close to Hashem. And then you analyze why. And you realize, you know, I can, I can go a little closer. I get a little closer, then fall back. And then you can try to get a little closer again. Same thing with all relationships that's happening. And now you know another surprise. This is not only going to be in this world, it's going to be in the next world. Gemara Bracha says, Sadiqim have no rest in this world or in the next world. In this world, they're, they're studying Torah, they're working hard. In the next world, they're also going to be studying Torah and working hard. And what's that? Whatever understanding the love of Hashem next world, which will be infinitely greater than what they have now. But it can always give greater. Infinity means it never ends. So the tzaddik goes in the next world, he's blown away by it. Whoa! Everything I thought I knew about you, a million times more. And then what happens? Wait a minute. Then you're going to fall in that world. Also, you're going to lose that. Then you come back and get higher than that. So there's no rest in any of the worlds, but that's good. Because the person says that means there's much more to know. If you get to this complete state of nirvana and there's nothing more to it, then what? Then what? It's going to get boring. So Hashem says, you think you still know everything? I'm going to show you something. Oh, I don't know what's going on. Oh, you fall. Even in heaven you fall. Then you just get back up and you grow up again. It's all, and you have to realize this idea of, uh, of the return, you know, people, it's not a mean. That process of coming back is not a means. It is the goal. Sure. That goal is to want more. That, that's not the means. In a lot of things in the world, wanting more is the means. Because there is that goal, the paycheck at the end of the day. With Hashem, that's not it. With Hashem, the whole point is trying to get back. That is the goal. Because that brings the joie de vivre. That brings the excitement. That brings the determination. And it's good. It's good. So when, when we learn Gemara and we make a seal, what do we do at the end of the seal? We start over. We say, okay, oh, I finished this piece of Talmud, this section of Talmud. I know it. Let's take a break. No, no, no. You're going to the next oh, one. And you don't know that at all. And now let's start from the beginning. So we're not standing still after we die. What? We're not standing still after That's we die. right. And it's a fall to a certain degree. Because now I start a new Masechta. I don't know anything. Hmm. You learned the Masechta for a year. You really know it. Feel good. Now I start a new Masechta. And every piece of Talmud always starts the first page. is written in a way to assume you know the whole thing. But you don't. If you look at this, I don't know what the heck is going on here. Believe me, if you wouldn't have Art Scroll, Art Scroll tells you what's going on later. So you could at least appreciate where you're at in the beginning. But before Art Scroll, you look at, I don't know what's going on over here. On, 
on Cholam Oil, I can or cannot water certain gardens? What do I, what's going on? Who's watering gardens? Well, you we gotta know, there's certain things you may do on Cholam so When are you gonna tell me that? Oh, it's gonna be later on. The whole enterprise of learning Torah is this way. Is to start off, you say, I am lost. I have no idea what's going on. I am so far away. When I was in that Masechta, I was a clever guy. I knew everything about sukkah. Oh, I knew everything about sukkah. Sukkah. Okay, what about Cholomoy? I don't know nothing. Okay, so then, so then you got to work on that. Or everything else in life. It, it, it's, it's meant to work that way. You feel, and then what do you do? You start over. And now, and now you have a new challenge. And that really is what promotes growth. Living for the challenges. In the secular world, we don't want the challenges. We look at the challenges, just challenge me long enough till I succeed and then I retire. I want to be able to make millions in one year and then retire. And then what are you going to do? Go nuts? Drink beer. What? Drink. Drink yourself. Whatever. You go nuts? But you, you want to have more challenges, more challenges. And that's the chance what Hashem gives us. And this is why Hashem, which says Yaakov, want, when the beginning of the Yishalach, Yaakov wanted to live in tranquility so he could just learn Torah. And all of a sudden, the whole story with Joseph begins. So what, what's going on over here? That's the whole message. The message is, yo, Yaakov, you got it wrong. It's always, you get close, good, but now you got to work on something else. So had Yaakov known this rule, he would, could have preempted this. The whole avoda of serving Hashem, thinking you're not going to Olam Haba, was those 22 years that Yosef was away. Because he had a tradition, if any of his children die in his lifetime, he's, he's going to Gehenna. That was his tradition. And he honestly thought Yosef was dead. So how do you serve God knowing you're going to Gehenna for 22 years? That's a new kind of service. New kind of service. He had to work on it for 22 years. And then he goes on to Egypt. A new kind of service. How do you become a from Jew in the, in, the, in the hotbed of immorality? That was another job for 17 years. So we have to always know that Hashem is going to cause us to have challenges. Better, I always say, pick your challenge. So the rabbi hacks you a cup. You know, you should learn more. You should learn more. Because, ah, it's too hard. So what does Hashem do instead when you get older? He makes you sick. So now learn how to be a, a Jew when you're sick. That's another challenge. So you either pick the challenge or God will pick it. So that's why I prefer to just give myself more challenges. I could, I could I'd go back and teach you things I learned 10 years ago. It won't be a challenge for me. Okay, well, I'm going to pick a new book. I don't know anything about it. So it's a challenge for me. So Hashem, I'm giving myself enough challenges. I, I don't need you to give me any, I hope. Or you get involved in certain mitzvahs that you're uncomfortable doing. Though, but, but otherwise, you see, everything's always got problems. There's always problems in life. Why are there problems in life? Why are you having, in this issue, everything was fine, and now this kid is making problems for me. Everything's fine, but this job, it's workers, not Everything is fine, my spouse gets sick. Whatever it is, it's, have you ever had a long period of time where everything's perfect? God doesn't want it that way. 
and that's why and that's part of what life is that's that growth process you learn to connect to Hashem oh that's the marshal they give on the what the the, the, the what yeah the, 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 the EKG you, you know ECG you don't want a flat line you want up and down up and down up and down just like when you're breathing when you're breathing what's the geschmack part of breathing that felt good, yeah? yeah. I'm alive? Yeah. I'm dead. Oh, no. I'm dead. <laughs> I've got no more air. What's the, what's the matter? I need to breathe. Yeah, okay, so, you know. Ah, I'm alive. I'm dead. Every minute you're alive, you're dead. What's going on over here? The answer is that's every minute. You're right. Every minute. Oxygenate. Ah, feels great. Ah, but you can't. Can you hold that breath for 10 days? No, you gotta let it out. Oi, I'm, I'm dead. You're dying now. You now got rid of all the oxygen. If you don't breathe in a few moments, you're dead. Okay, I guess I'll have to breathe again. So Shem teaches us, and what's that word called? In Hebrew, it's called nishima, is breath. And that's what your nishama is all about. And our, our job is to keep oxygenating. And our oxygen is Torah mitzvah. That's our oxygen. And if you refuse that oxygen, God can okay. give you tsaurus. And you have to work on your, uh, on your bitachav to oxygenate in that way. Okay, with that, we finish this essay. Tomorrow, we're going to get to really deep stuff. The or hamakif and the or the surrounding light and the penetrating light.